story. We should get started. Okay. So, take two. Take two. Hello, friends. My Hello. name is Caesar. Welcome back to Pilot Boys. I have a returning guest for episode 50, part two. What's your name, sir? My name is Gab Chabran. And today we're doing The Wire. Yep, it is yep. one of the greatest TV shows of all time. It fucking really is, man. And I'm, if, I'm going deeper into the binge now, and when I watch it, I'm just like, this is kind of the best thing ever. Like, And if I you heard our, our last podcast, then you would know that we really liked this episode. Yeah. yeah. But there's no way you heard that, because it fucking died, and, and it doesn't you never work. never will, yeah. That's why I'm here recording this again, and I'm sorry to you, Gab, for having you record this shit again. It's all good. So it's today we're good. doing The Wire, as mentioned. And where did we start last time? Is there anywhere you want to start? Because you've been, you've been. Did you revisit revisit the book again? I didn't. No. no. I I mean I lived it for like a week. Yeah. Because I mean we should say we we read uh, all the pieces matter. Yeah. The the wire oral history from like all the actors, cast, crew member, whatever. And we read it for this podcast, but. Right. It, we scrapped it because the audio was completely fucked and this is us trying it again trying to get it going again for it so all the pieces matter by jonathan abrams it's gotcha. an oral history that uh we were both reading um you were reading the audiobook so you put a lot more work than i did on it i mean i i could kind of zoom through audiobooks and it was an oral history too so it, different narrative yeah so that was kind of cool so the book you really liked it yeah i really liked it because it was as we mentioned an oral history so you get to hear the story of the wire from their perspective right and that was a lot of fun because the actor the writer yeah because they'll they'll have a lot of like unhinged moments yeah where some dts yeah exactly you don't even yeah they're not being produced by their fucking publicist or whatever right right and like one of them the one that stood out to me was like uh, the Michael B. Jordan thing where like they took him to a strip club and then yeah. they called it quote unquote research. Right. And then I guess I think they got him high too. Yeah. They just, they just did like yeah. kind of Fred Rostar. Uh, yeah. And savory shit, but like shit that kind of guys do with one another. Sure. There's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some, I want you to talk about, and I did this the first time around. Okay. Kind of your first experience with The Wire. Yeah. And how I was revisiting it this yeah. time around. And what stood out this time that didn't stand out last time. Yeah. How does it hold up? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I don't really remember how I heard about it. It was probably just through some various media outlets that kind of said that it was great or I heard about it. I didn't watch it when it was originally airing. Um, I, I did watch it first time, probably about over 10 years ago. So this was before streaming. So I was renting DVDs either through Netflix or a really good video store, uh, <laughs> in South Pasadena called Videotech. Gotcha. If you're ever out in South Pass and you want to rent some 
good movies. I recommend going to that place. But anyways, I have distinct memories of checking out the Wire DVDs from there. That's why. That but, is that is kind of a wave that's over, like discovering TV shows through DVDs. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think about that shit a lot, too, because it's like there's like commentary tracks. And yeah. like, you know, you think about how all DVDs. I mean, I, I know like if you download a movie from iTunes now, you can pay extra for some sometimes some of that stuff. Yeah. It's like a, a big thing. Well, but. I think nowadays what most people do is they'll just go on YouTube and the commentary track will be there. Oh, like okay. when I was working at Amazon, I would listen to commentary tracks. They'll just upload like an audio file. Oh, okay. But it's such a way different experience discovering Definitely. a TV show f- from a DVD. Because we oh, used yeah. to have our, what did you call it? Star, what is it called? What? The video place? Oh, uh, Videotech. We had South our own Pass. Videotech okay. in Linwood. It was just this paisano who just used to rent movies out. That's tight. And I discovered like South Park and like all these other shows that yeah. I'd seen, but now you right. get to like, it was like the first f- version of binging. Exactly. Except you only get one season. You consume it at your own pace, yeah. essentially. There's still a video store down here on Broadway in Long Beach. I mean, they they survived. There was just like a blockbuster pop up recently. Oh, yeah. yeah. In downtown. But that's like for some like nostalgic, yeah, nostalgic Instagram. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but so you watched then. Yeah, so I I watched all the DVDs and I loved it. But one of the distinct differences that I noticed or um it took me a while to like put on subtitles and I was trying to think this might have been one of the first shows that I watched with subtitles cuz I watch a lot of shows with subtitles and I don't know if it's cuz I maybe I'm losing my hearing or cuz you're a nerd. That's well, I like to read <laughs> the the um I like to read the text, you yeah. know, cuz then I can actually understand it. But there's some pretty serious dialects going on in yeah. this show too. So regionalism is like, yeah. yeah. So um but the other reason is sometimes it'll tell you like if a song is playing like True. who the artist is or something. Mm-hmm. And I like that fact, you know, as far as that goes. So. Gotcha. One of the things I should mention about DVDs is that was part of the reason why they stayed alive and that that'll be a theme that we talk about later is Definitely. They've struggled to like keep the show on and like it was kind of the the little train who could and who got like a couple chances. Yeah, and, and I was also I was gonna say um, the book does a really good job at kind of illustrating that. Like the it was published this year, we should say last um, year. Last year, excuse me, and um, it, it really captures kinda, that. It kind of com- they're able to comment more on the phenomenon versus like if it was just you know a couple years out or something like yeah. that. So. And I mean, I think it's great that they, well, I don't know if it's great, but I th- it's interesting that they con- they kind of always knew that the end of the show was coming. For sure. Um, that we'll get into later. Yeah. But, uh, so you had watched it well after it was over, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I would say probably, I don't know. I can't remember when it ended, what the year the ending was. And but, uh, it ended 08. 08. I believe. So it might have been. Or 09. Only a couple of years, maybe okay. one or two years. Gotcha. So, yeah, because I mean, it, it, it didn't reach the mass that it's at now. So that was that's what I was going to say. Also, is that um, I think only within the last ten years did it like kind of reach the phenomenon. Yeah. Like you had a lot of high profile people like Bourdain, him saying it was his favorite show ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, that's that's also one of the things about the ratings is we mentioned this last podcast. And I'll, I promise I'll stop saying that after a while. But Stephen King 
right was famously like quoted as saying like this is one of the best shits ever yeah and like verbatim yeah and yeah and that was part of their strategy for season four was like yeah. they released it to the critics right so and that fucker I, wrote Cujo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he knows what's up. I actually like Stephen King. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. No, I'm, I'm, I really like on writing the book. Oh yeah, I haven't read it. I should. How did it feel revisiting it? Amazing. Yeah. I don't. I. I think, as I and I and I keep feeling this way that. I don't think I like another show more than I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely the sentiment of the last podcast yeah yeah i mean and i i think i I mentioned this before but uh i don't usually go back and binge tv shows um usually i watch something and i'm done you know very very rarely do i go back and, and and watch stuff i'm not i'm not like you know binging the office you know as i go to sleep at night and stuff like that i don't, I don't fuck with stuff like that i feel know? like this one might be a tough one to rewatch. i see i disagree like well to get to your point about how it how it is to rewatch it it first it resonates with me even more now like i don't know if it, that's like a, a maturity thing on my part i mean i mean i remember being really into it like when i was watching it but even now, like it feels like it's like cutting that much more deeper, you know, for whatever reason. Well, maybe that I don't know if that's like a self awareness thing or or what, but I think it's a tougher show to rewatch in general, besides the first episode, mm-hmm. because it's so dense and there's so much to it. Like it requires a lot. I see. We, I've been thinking a lot about that, and okay. I think it's just kind of a wave you have to catch in a certain sense too, because I feel like that. There is a denseness to it, but once you sort of find the rhythm, it's real easy to jump on, you know, because I'm, I'm almost done with this first season now because uh, I've been pretty much going nonstop since, since we started planning for this. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I like catch that rhythm, now it just feels like I'm on like episode eight or nine and now it just feels like they're like zooming past because mm. we did talk about that. We, we talked about how. It, it was dense. It's a slow burn, which it is, you know? But once you kind of catch that rhythm, it's like a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know? I could see that. So. Okay. So let me kind of talk about my experience. So I yeah. watched it when it came out. Uh, I think HBO had just like started marketing it as like, oh, you need to go back and watch The Wire, which is a couple years now. So I watched it like three, four years ago. Okay. And it was one of those shows, because I had just watched, like, The Sopranos a year or two ago. And they're mentioned a lot of the times in the same conversation. Exactly. Prestige TV. Exactly. Um, The golden age of prestige TV. Yeah, it's very true. Especially because this, to me, is kind of like the ceiling for a lot of TV. Right. But I watched it. This is kind of the beginning point of it. That and The Sopranos. Especially in just, like, the current conversation. Like, it was... The golden age was started around this time. Yeah. Like the early 2000s or whatever. Late 90s, early 2000s. Exactly. Um, so I watched it and I thought it was a little slow mm-hmm. in the beginning. Sure. But as I mentioned, I think that it's just the first episode that is kind of tough mm. or might be tough for someone who's never seen it before. Right. And I think part of that is because this is both a critique I had then and a critique I have now. There's so much going on. There's so many characters. There's a lot to kind of like 
piece together. Sure. And I think that if you've not, if you're not familiar with the world, you're not familiar with the characters. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tough to get into it. Um, what would you say is around, tough about it, for from your perspective? Because it's, I mean, we've all the reasons why you like it mm-hmm. is the reasons why someone might not. Right. In that the there's a considerable lack of walking the audience through what's happening. Yeah. And I think that's tough for people because people don't always want to be on when they're watching TV. Sure. Maybe they do when they're watching HBO, but mm-hmm. I feel because I was watching with my girlfriend when I was rewatching it and I was trying to think about like it. Karen. like yeah. yeah. So I was trying to think about it, like how she would watch it, how she would approach these characters or, you know, experiencing these characters for the first time. Right. And she told me the same thing. She was just like, yeah, like I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was like dense, but it was good. Right. And I think that's kind of, that's a good sign sure. for someone who's never seen it for the first time. Like, it's just like, I'm interested. I don't know if I completely get it, but I'm interested. Let me, um, let me throw something at you real quick based off that rationale. So this being one of the great serialized television series, you know, of the 20th century or whatever. Um, 21st. Te- 21st century technically don't they do that every season though because they're starting you out in a new like universe or i don't know you know oh, what yeah. i mean like that's kind of one of the things that made this show great which yeah. is you know bad on my part for the last podcast where we didn't really break down kind of like the general structure construction of the show yeah and that, yeah, every season was kind of a self-contained season. Like, everything gets right. solved in the first season, which at that point had never really existed. Yeah. And they had kind of trailblazed for a lot of these shows, right. which you and I have mentioned. Um, True Detective. Right. And it kind of has, like, the same attitude or, like, sure. kind of, like, punk, I don't give a fuck, I'm going to tell my story attitude. It's like a David Lynch right. project. And, I mean, now the season arc is kind of standard. Everybody right. kind of does the season arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one did it as completely as The Wire where like it felt like you could watch any one season right. and well, just pick up. With The Wire, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt either, but with The Wire, it's they did keep a central, the, the, the Barksdale, the Barksdale Stringer Bells, and the McNulty's, the McNulty, the, the police staff and, and things of that nature. And because of that format, they were able to, um, expand some of the characters out like with, but also just expand the world of Baltimore. Sure. Sure. But also like with, uh, like one of my favorite seasons is the, the Presbelewski season where he becomes the teacher. Oh, well, uh, I think everybody says it. that's their favorite season. Well, that was my favorite season, and now I think I like the docs better. Really? The docs is like I'm I'm about to start it, so we'll see where we're at with it. Because okay. I've heard people. Well, last time you said that um, the last season people found the hardest, but for a while there I wasn't about the docs, but now I think I'm like all about the docs. Well, I think the reason why. People think that the last season was kind of the hardest to get through. Sure. Or it's kind of a little harder. I mean, one, they only had 10 episodes. Right. But also it was about like media and about a newsroom, which mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that fucking David Simon was just, he had an axe to grind and he sure. was like trying to go after 
his past jobs or whatever, his editors, whatever it was. Well, is that's it, great. That's not the serial killer season or it is? That is the serial killer okay. season. So there's yeah. a lot of great stuff yeah. that happens in that season. Mm-hmm. But um, I think kind of that being like the central theme of the season yeah. made it harder for someone. But I mean, I wasn't watching it when it was coming out. I just watched it all together and sure. it didn't really... I mean, it seems a lot more kaleidoscopic and like I'm trying to cover the entire city instead of like yeah. how the cops are corrupt or how... It has a lot of stuff about politicians too. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's one of the things you didn't get to the, you didn't get that far, but I think they, they kind of capture that sentiment in the book. But they talk about how like different kind of parts of the city require mm-hmm. different wider, writers. So like they would get a political yeah. writer kind of like, you know... A, political yeah whatever just to write those parts because that was what he was good at so david kind of wrangled all this talent that was good at what they did right well i've heard that that's what they say for good directors like um they use writers like like paintbrushes Mm -hmm. essentially i think that's like somebody said that about spielberg or or something like that so you said that right now did did i oh that's your quote yeah well like he used uh he used the Cohen brothers uh in Bridge of Spies, you know, to write some specific parts. So mm. I could kind of see it similar to that. I heard that movie sucked though. I fucking love that movie. You're fuck you serious? It's so good, dude. The Tom it's Hanks like, one? Yeah, dude. Yeah. That was talking about Spielberg? late era Spielberg. Dude, I Tom haven't liked Hanks. Spielberg. I fucking ride hard for it. The post was fucking garbage. Uh, I don't know if I saw that one. It was such a piece of shit. I you see it. Lincoln? I did see Lincoln. Yeah. But that's fucking, that's my boy right there. Well, Andy Lewis? Yeah. That's interesting because you're the only person I've ever heard who liked that movie. Everyone was just kind of like, it's fine. Like, it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's fine. It's like a love letter to democracy, I find. Mm. I think that's what he was trying and to do then, with the Post. Yeah. He does Except, that a lot. It's the same thing with Lincoln, too. Well, he did that... He tries to unpack these these like yeah, big but... ideas, as as does David Simon does with yeah. kind of. I mean, we're talking about politicians. I think some of the politicians, and again, it's been a minute since I've watched it, but I can remember feeling sort of bogged down by the entire politician thing because mm-hmm. he it gets real into the nitty gritty oh, about yeah. like sort of the bureaucracies, which you see a lot of also in um, the Hamster Dance season. No, 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 no. Um, the Oscar Isaac was I Need a Hero. Oh yeah, yeah. That's there's a lot of that. Yeah, but also some really good performances as well. That could be probably why people didn't like the last season. It's just like this is too much of what interests David Simon versus For sure. like you know what I mean. But again, he's gonna do whatever the fuck he wants to do. That's true. As a punk Which, rock, you know, we can ethos. we can we can start heading in that direction. Let's do talk it. about like how you feel about the show and like it's kind of attitude towards everything yeah i mean it's unapologetic in that sense you know as we were mentioning before um i think that's kind of what makes it special because it's not afraid to kind of get into the details to tell sort of a deeper more meaningful story an underrepresented story not just from you know the the underserved community that it showcases you know the housing projects but also the cops too, you know. It's yeah. it's a fairly unsexy point of view as far as that goes, mm. and how and they it, kind of interact with each other. And it was doing a lot of this before, like you could even claim like woke. 
Right. Like, before you could even claim like diversity, inclusion, any of those things, it was just kind of doing it. It's not really hitting you over the head with any of that stuff. Exactly. You know? And I think that's a lot of the, the sentiments that me and like the people who I, I review those kind of shows mm-hmm. we talk about is like there are these sort of markers for all those shows. Like right. the ones that are billed as like this is a representation show. Like we just did Rami and I really loved it. It was a great show. Sure. But kind of like the first episode, it took a little bit into getting into why this is different than the other shows. Right. And I think this show, by mere fact of it's trying to reflect the community that it's representing, it was kind of like this quote-unquote woke show, inclusion show, but that's just more like we want to be as raw as we can. It's more effortless, you know? And I don't know if that's speaking to the style of writing as far as that goes. Effortless in the way it's presented. Perhaps. Because it's definitely not effortless in their them making the show because they struggled a lot. It feels make. more effortless, perhaps, you yeah. know, from from a casual viewer standpoint. Yeah. Absolutely. Although yeah. I don't know how you casually watch the viewer. I mean, yeah. how you casually watch <laughs> The Wire. So That's true. I laugh at both of those statements. Thank you. Well, I'm fucking full of them, you know? But yeah. Anyways. I tried to probably clumsily last time to make this big metaphor about how Omar, which is this Who doesn't kind of show up till episode three. Yes. Which has nothing to do with the first episode, but Omar's no. character in general, which is this kind of assassin Robin hood kind of character. Sure. I made this metaphor that he kind of represents like the wire's trajectory or like mm-hmm. the wire's journey. And that like, he was so uncompromising about right. his politics or whatever it was. And he was kind of gangster about it. And like he went, he did what he had to do and he did what he did and he survived. And ultimately sure. he's a survivor. And I think the wire is a survivor. Right. And, but at the same time, that's kind of his undoing. Like they were mm-hmm. never sure of their next day. They were never sure if they were going to survive. Right. And that's kind of how they went out. Like they went out doing what they wanted to do, but they fought all the way there. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of ended kind of unglamorously. But I would disagree in that, like, it, with the last part, because I think they went out with, like, a bang. It's probably yeah. one of the best endings ever. Definitely. But Definitely. I think that Omar as, like, the wire and its trajectory and its place in culture continues in, in that, like, doesn't care about anything else. It cares about what it wanted to do. Right. And to the point also that I brought up that he doesn't show up until the third episode, he's such a big force on the show itself that I think it's interesting that they didn't introduce him until a little bit in, you know, I was actually surprised on this, on this rewatch. I was like, Oh shit, he doesn't show up until, till this point. Cause I was almost positive that he's in the first episode at least, but, and but no, he doesn't, you know? And, and I think your... that kind of speaks also to the fact that they're going to be like, we're just going to, going to do it how we want to yeah and to your point about kind of like each season is self-contained like karen could have jumped in at any point mm-hmm. the first episode and again that's probably why to me it could be a devil-edged sword in that like sure. the first episode feels like you could have jumped in any episode ago because it doesn't feel like a traditional first episode it doesn't right. feel as like kind of regal and that we're presenting this world it just mm-hmm. felt kind of you're sort of thrown in. Exactly. It. And I think that that could be an issue for someone trying to present this. But I think there is kind of like this education you go through when you're right. watching it. And you're just like, okay, this show is not fucking around. Mm-hmm. Let me pay attention. 
And that could turn some people away. It's just in general, like how people don't like to think about certain things. Like what? In general, people don't want to think about the serious of life. Yeah, I mean, you kind of had like this personal reaction I to the show. I just want to think about the serious of life. Exactly. <laughs> but you, you, you had kind of like this personal reaction to it, and that like it made you, and perhaps your your child did, mm-hmm. but it made you kind of think about death mortality definitely well the way that it because and i'm reminded of this point also based off what you said in terms of how it ends and i was kind of seeing that as a as a foray into the death of some of the major characters down the line is that it's unglamorous you know it's not it's not um Walter White going out to It's All Over mm. for You, Baby Blue, the Badfinger song. I don't know if that's the right title, but it portrays death very unceremoniously, mm. you know? And it's such a reality in, yeah. in, in, in these people's lives. And they do it because they have to. Yeah. In, in, in a sense of like murdering somebody, you yeah. know? I'm thinking to the part, because I'm almost in this in the first season where they kill Wallace, you know? It's sad that they kill Wallace. You know, I mean, I would argue that's one of the most emotional deaths that occur on the show. You yeah. know, um, but well, that, that they was... do it. The characters who 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 carry out the act do it out of an act of duty. Yeah. You know, um, so it is sad in a sense, but there's also like, well, they just kind of get it over with and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, I feel like. This is something that we touched on last time, mm-hmm. but the characters and are constantly, as you are have watching the show, aware of death. They're constantly engaging with the idea that they might lose their life in the next day. Some characters, it is literally their driving force. Like, it's it's a part of who they are, you know. Um, they wake up one morning and um, Omar's boyfriend sprawled out on a on a car with yeah. his eye gouged out, you know. And there's little kids running around, yeah. you know? It's just, yeah, it just seems kind of like another part. Exactly. And I don't think, to to your point about, like, it's uncompromising attitude is it doesn't care if you're watching or not. It almost just seems like a show that will continue without you. Exactly. And that is very much the attitude that Simon had when he was going in. Mm-hmm. Him, Ed Burns pelicanos all of them who right. were trying to make the show they were just like if some people watch it and they like it that's enough right but you know we're gonna tell the story we're gonna tell right but also to the point i think that there's an underlying message in there and maybe this is just me you know making the pull myself but you know death death is in every aspect of life you know it's a privilege in this world to pretend you're above it or it doesn't exist or it doesn't apply to you you know in some sense these people don't have that luxury it is in their front yard every day you know uh and by extension of that violence too as well you know um it doesn't go away um that's yeah i guess that that's what i was gonna say and that's a that's a good way of point of putting it because i think like even in the first episode if we're sticking to the first episode obviously because mm-hmm. this is pilot boys but yes the first scene is 
McNulty talking to this guy whose buddy had just died or some they're related in some way but right. and it shows that that body so like right away they want you to engage with death and how this is gonna be throughout all the characters life. and there are some characters who it, it's baked into kind of who they are and it right. kind of plays in into their storyline or their plot or their arc or whatever and Omar spoilers I didn't warn in the beginning I'll, I'll, I'll put a disclaimer in the beginning but he the 15 dies. year show people pick yeah exactly so he well, you should still watch it he kind of dies very unceremon- unceremoniously by like a child and it's random and it's kind of like all of these you know things that people are afraid of but and it's it perfect happens. In, in a sense yeah like in that way i find that it was sort of a representation that it's cyclical that exactly someone's going to take his place well, and I, it's the it's a pathology it's going to keep happening if we were to take that analogy at that point michael that's I think had, Brown's analogy exactly Let's just disclaim that real quick. i think michael had already become the new omar or whatever right if there's kind of like a vacuum sure because i mean I, I do think that he is providing a service that mm. the neighborhood Maybe didn't appreciate directly, but there is kind of an appreciation there. Like a don't fuck with him because he's doing what he has to do. Because even there was that with gang life where I grew up. Okay. It's kind of like the protectors of the hood. Like you, you just didn't fuck with your hood like that. Right. And there was people who kind of protected it. And I feel like Omar is that. Like he's kind of like a public service where he's trying to, he's, he's living by his own code, but he never hurts women and children no and he always just i mean i don't know it seems like he is a reaction to his environment definitely and a lot about that is kind of what the show is about it's like each one of these characters are influenced or are products are there of their environment Mm -hmm. and i think one of the best ways to show that is the the way that like the cops and you know, all these characters who were involved in the drug trade or the war on drugs, whatever, they kind of have like this, it's not a hateful relationship. It's just kind of like a I think they're frustrated. I think they're kind of frustrated with the system. And, and they misunderstand each other. Oh, yeah. And it's not to say, because maybe well, that, that's... That just sounds like work in general. You exactly. know, that's a, that's, I, to me, it just sounds like a metaphor for everyday working relationships, yeah. you know? Because I feel like there is kind of, you could if if you were to critique it in like a police brutality kind of way mm. that narrative does exist in the show because sure. i think that that is kind of like the raw depiction of it right but i do think that these characters and maybe that's propagandistic mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if it is but they seem to kind of understand each other and like kind of understand that they're kind of co-workers in some ways or like they yeah. they come across each other a lot yeah, so they don't you- hate each other like McNulty doesn't hate Weebay or fucking right. Well, Bodhi you get that um, you get that relationship really actualized in the first season a lot. Bodie and and Carver have that relationship too. Yeah, they'll be fucking beating the shit out of him, arresting him, and then they're playing pool with him. Yeah. later on in that season, you know, and you see that relationship. I just watched the episode where they're watching the East versus West uh, basketball game. Um, and they all end up there because no one's out on the streets, so they don't yeah. know what to do. So they end up just doing that. Um, yeah. and they're talking to each other. So, yeah. And then I, I don't know. I think in 2019 eyes, 
that'd be harder to sell the idea of because i think the friendly factor yeah like cops or friends with kind of like the drug dealers right which i don't know i don't know how how true that is i'm sure <laughs> fucking david simon and ed burns want you to believe that all of this actually happened yeah but I mean, like in 2019 like the the ears will perk up and be like ah, i don't know how believable that is sure which I, it's just something we didn't talk about last time but even just recently like uh the spike lee movie uh the black clansman yeah like talk about i thought it was a good i just movie. watched that actually yeah that was a good movie and i thought for the most part it was pretty fair but mm-hmm. like there is that question of like is he doing this for a paycheck like is there a stake involved because spike lee has been has had a pass with like the nypd paying him for whatever oh really so it's kind of like that. that question of like is this true is this not like well it's like the like boots riley came out and criticized him exactly right? yeah he which i thought out. was awesome because it's like boots riley basically made like a spike lee statement like exactly. spike lee would have made a statement like that like 10 15 years ago boots riley did it in 2019 too so it was like exactly it was very meta well, in, yeah in and, and it's sense. kind of like it's kind of like that cyclical thing we we're talking about is like but ironically or unironically spike lee wins an oscar for the movie which is funny because he didn't win for do the, the right movie. thing malcolm exactly. x but do the right thing is kind of directly engaging with the idea of police brutality a hundred percent it has that that narrative of like a black kid getting shot point is i think that in today's society this show can be critiqued for kind of like painting a good image of the cops because this is at the height of like there was a lot of fuck shit happening with the cops sure like and maybe now that i'm thinking about it i can't and then the book didn't touch on this either is like the police brutality kind of mm, shit it's a good point it kind of seems like everybody was okay with each other in this yeah and i i mean it's an excellent point they didn't really talk about like so there is kind of like a hateful relationship between people involved in this kind of activity and i have a question but i feel like this is more like a is it it, maybe this is like an ending question but it's like is this still relevant now would you tell somebody to watch the show now absolutely yeah right i think it's still like even if it's not that and this is maybe this will help Answer. But you would you would offer it with that caveat, yes. perhaps. Okay. Maybe maybe this will help answer that. I support that. So David Simon talked about how he felt like the show couldn't go everywhere, like it couldn't touch on everything it needed to. Okay. And towards the end of it, they were starting to see kind of like the influx of Latinos in Baltimore, mm. and he wanted to touch on it a little bit in the last season. Yeah. But he couldn't. He just it's just that's kind of the scope of a show. Like you can't do everything. Fuck! Imagine what a David Simon show about Latinos. Would exactly. Be about. So Jesus Christ! I mean, I think he. he I think he we should write for that show. Should we do that? Right. We should. <laughs> we need to be journalists first. Okay. Figure I offer that as an answer, in that, if that's the critique, that police brutality, wasn't addressed in this show, and that's right. a fair critique. Mm-hmm. It's probably because. It just couldn't get there. I mm. think because I think that is kind of like the issues that were. And that were happening at the community at the time. And I do truly think that they were trying to present it in a fair way. Yeah. And maybe police, maybe police brutality, those narratives hadn't happened Can I? in the city. But wait. Sure. They do address um, 
Freddie Gray's death, which happened in Baltimore. Oh, they do. And okay. they talk about, I mean, obviously David Simon was like big supporter. He wrote like this essay about like <laughs> he understands the sentiments and why right. the rioting is happening. But mm-hmm. so he he is kind of aware of the police brutality issues. Maybe sure. it wasn't as present or demanding or as immediate for this story that he was telling, but. Mm-hmm. That is, now that I think about it, I'm just like, yeah, you know, that's not, at least in my experience, in can the I, city. Can I make sort of a, a, a devil's advocate argument? Sure. Would you say that the police brutality aspect might not have made the relationships as dynamic? Could be. You know? That's just a thought that occurred to me as far as that goes. What I honestly think happened is just that. Because it could kind of dominate a plot, perhaps, yeah. you know? Versus this is very much, while there is a larger plot, it is very much about these sort of relationships between, you know, the individuals. Yeah. And how they sort of coexist. And I think part of it... I mean, it, it would just be a different show altogether, perhaps, Well, see, no, I don't know? think so, because I think that they do... There are... Now that I'm remembering it, there are elements of police brutality. Okay, obviously. yeah. Obviously. I just don't think that they were... and. Maybe this is to their credit, and maybe I'm like a race trader for saying this, but I think that you're kind of right in that it would have made it a different story, like mm-hmm. an anti-cop piece instead right. of kind of like a... This felt almost like an ecosystem, like we're learning about an ecosystem, like a social ecosystem. 100%, yeah. And if it's about just police brutality, then that kind of... That, I think would even make it more propagandistic right. in that like it's just looking at one side and like how one side feels because there are kind of these issues all over the city mm-hmm. and i think with the wire even with the first episode is it it's starting it's looking at the micro and like the, yeah. the relationships of these characters but it expands far beyond all these characters and, and just that, baltimore yeah. in general and i think season two does a really good job kind of of, of that that ecosystem that you're talking about. Yeah, because it, it starts to look at, like, how... Because it goes in a completely different yeah, direction. Like, poor whites and, like, right. poor white people in crime and, like, things like that, which is kind of... It's pretty of rare. Things, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare, that, even for a show 15, 20 years old now. Yeah, especially because I mean, it situates them somewhere where they usually aren't situated. Like, if you think about the shows about poor whites, they kind of... Like, the way you understand that they're poor is because they're poorer than other whites. Yeah. Versus this one, you understand that they're kind of in the middle ground. Yeah. And perhaps, like, the working, like, the 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 subjugated classes, the people who are in the drug trade and things like that, who right. are affected by these systems. Mm-hmm. It shows that white people are affected by these systems, but refuse to kind of identify with those people. Sure, definitely. And also to that point, um, I think that it gives a pretty accurate portrayal, perhaps, in a sense, how when uh, the white population is exposed to loss of economic status, jobs, you know, whatever, what happens, Mm -hmm. you know? what what usually something really bad happens yeah. you know and that's an interesting perspective the reason why i bring this up uh-huh. is and i'm gonna pull out some 
some real uh, white and nerdy shit right now mm-hmm. is that I was reading an article in it was a piece that was published in the New Yorker in 1993 mm-hmm. by the uh, writer Joan Didion and it's about it's called Trouble in Lakewood and it it takes place here just here in Lakewood we're recording this in Long Beach and um, basically it talks about sort of like um, it was like this sexual hazing that took place mm. at a high school in Lakewood. And she basically paints the portrait of Lakewood in when it was, when it was incorporated as a city, it was, it was booming post-war. They had aerospace. It was a thriving economic community. Those jobs disappeared basically. And sort of morals become, frayed shaky yeah essentially and kind of this is what happens and she she does an excellent job at kind of making that point as far as that Mm. goes see i I get what you're saying now i and let me correct me if i'm wrong yeah what you're saying is that like in the midst of kind of a detroit like somewhere where it was economically booming and then those jobs kind of go away morals start to erode uh, perhaps yeah and this is one of the things that they try to like leave you off with in in history when mm-hmm. when, you, when you're setting that shit. Yeah, it's just kind of like they don't want you poor white people and poor Latino black people to get along because they want you to be separate. And I think Chappelle kind of talks about that a little bit, especially sure. as like Donald Trump is fighting for me, the rich people, not for you, like the people who have coal all over your face. Mm-hmm. And I think that poor or kind of like you know, middle-class white areas have their own issues. And I think that's kind of what the wire is looking at. Not necessarily in how like they're completely different in this story. Mm -hmm. They kind of don't like each other. Yeah. They're kind of like their enemies, but sure. And maybe perhaps the point I was trying to make earlier to go back to it briefly, and I won't spend too much time on this is that, um, historically, disenfranchised populations are able to perhaps succeed and thrive with less Mm. because of survival. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're able to kind of for better or worse, you know, in in certain situations, because we're talking about the wire and some of the conditions that people are living in by no means is it, you know, But they're surviving, you know, and maybe this ties back to the reality of death, you know, that they all live in as far as that goes. If you're talking about a group of white people, you take something away, you know, where they used to be kind of, you know, the dominant, the dominant class. Yeah. Then I think other issues arise. Sure. Perhaps. And I I agree with that. But I think that I think that's what I was trying to say. Gotcha. So. And I, I I 100% agree with that. I just feel like, yeah, the issue is that you don't ever want to show that, like, the quote-unquote dominant class, which in this case, in terms of race, is, like, the white class. Mm-hmm. If you show them as very similar situations as, like, the subjugated person of color class, you start to see that they have similar issues. Oh, and yeah. I think, well, that's what the wire is. Well, it's socioeconomic pulling back those socioeconomic layers mm-hmm. and showing that they're pretty much the same, even though they kind of hate each other. Yeah. And I guess I'm thinking a lot of season two right now. I don't know why, because I guess that 
kind of deals with what we're discussing, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe he thought for that season, and maybe I'm way off base on this, you know, to kind of capture that moment, you know? Well, what that does... Of them kind of coming to that reality, perhaps. Well, what that does is that it expands Baltimore beyond just being like a black and brown state or 100%. a black and brown area. Yeah. It's, it affects all of it, like the, the systems and the disease and like the the kind of like issues at hand affect us all. And For sure. I know that it affects black people disproportionately and systemically, but it also affects white people. And these are the ways. Right. And I think that's what the show is doing. And it does it very smartly. Like yeah. you don't even kind of realize, I mean, maybe some people do kind of realize this is kind of like quote unquote the white season. Yeah. But it, I think it, it does it, it pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. For the most part. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to return back to another point um, that we made last time that I thought was really astute on your part and hoping you can speak on that a little bit more. We talked about this already a little bit, but uh, we're talking about the Omar character and very memorable character, probably one of the the best characters on the TV show. Yeah. Well, Snoop being another one. No, no, no. But I was going to talk more about Omar's sexuality Mm -hmm. and you had some interesting insights to share on it last time. And I was wondering, maybe you could share those again. Omar as a character, he is a black man. He's gay. And he's an assassin, so he's kind of have like all these things kind of kind of got going the on Robin Hood thing going on too. Exactly. So everybody kind of like the dudes or like the you know like the men kind of agree that he's kind of like a hard ass. The character. heteronormative population. There you go. He coming in with the terms, with Yay. all the the hot the hot terms or whatever. I rip and run. He, <laughs> I rip and I rhyme. I rhyme <laughs> and I rip. Uh, he. It's kind of accepted by like the male population as he's a badass because he indeed he take he takes names and kicks asses or whatever. Right, and he walks around with a big fucking shotgun. Exactly, and he whistles fucking what is farmer it? in the dell. There you go. So his boyfriend kind of dies in this moment where he doesn't give up Omar, and the actor I forget the character's name. Same. Doesn't matter. His his the actor kind of talks about his experience with. Um, how people treated Omar and how people treated his character, who's kind of like a more feminine gay man. And they kind of treated him very poorly for it. They kind of treated him as like an actual gay person at the time, like being feminine was kind of presenting as a woman or as not seen as, as, you know, as acceptable as Omar. Right. So he kind of talks about how like in that character's final moments, he does not give up Omar and he kind of dies with honor. He dies as a martyr protecting his lover. Mm-hmm. And that's just as hard, if not harder, if not more gangster than Omar. Cause he decides not to betray his lover's trust or whatever. And he, he dies in that way, but people won't admit that he's kind of like a hard character for doing that. Cause right. they, all they care about is just how he's presenting. They're more concerned about how badass he is, how many people he's killed or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting point. I mean, Omar just being in the show mm-hmm. is a huge win for inclusivity probably because right. it's, it's such an interesting and dope character without really trying to be like, you know, an inclusion piece. Right. And in the same way, like the boyfriend who died with honor without kind of giving up his partner is mm-hmm. just as hard, if not harder. Right. Because he had a purpose, I think. And I think that's 
one of the great things about how even the insignificant deaths that you might think of really do play a lot. And sure. they have really dope, like, little tidbits about that. I mean, each character, it seems like, to the actors, kind of meant a lot to them in different ways. Like, Definitely. It might have been, like, some insignificant, you know, the lovable crackhead bubbles, but to that actor, it was both, like, his best role and kind of, like, his what defined him as an actor. And that's a good thing and a bad thing for him. And right. that's, that's kind of the way he's presented it. I think there's a lot of characters on this show that kind of suffer the same, you know, fate in that sense. Maybe that's what, was that what you were trying to say? Right now? Yeah. And that like, or that you, the, not that you were trying, but you were saying, well, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that like, cause Snoop could fit into that too at the same time. Exactly. Kima and that like, this we talked about Kima a lot last time. That's also. true. In this character, Omar's boyfriend, he seems kind of insignificant that like he's just like a plot point to kind of move Omar to the next thing. Sure. But if you think about it as a gay person, not historical. Exactly. It's historical. And he's being like super kind of tough in a situation where he was previously thought of as kind of like a sissy. Right. So Simon, I think, and Burns and whoever, they kind of always inject meaning into each character even though it might seem kind of insignificant right and i think that's kind of what it is like it's again it's it's kind of their curse and that like there's so much yeah into everything yeah that it's kind of tough because i mean even dominic west he's he's mcnulty and he's kind of like the star of the show right he was just kind of like i can't keep doing this like it's yeah. just too hard it's too much and sure to his credit like it is a tough fucking show like it's there's a lot going on all the time Right, right. Did it ever bother you? Did it ever feel like it was too much? Everything, kind of like the characters, the like where they were going with the show, things like that. Did it ever feel, no, never at any point were you overwhelmed with the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I was overwhelmed with the show within the first five minutes of watching it, you know? <laughs> um, I think that kind of touches on to the similar points we were making uh, before in this conversation, just the fact that it's sort of atypical in that it doesn't set you up. It just kind of throws you in, you know? Mm. And you kind of but have you, to sink or swim. In that but you sense. had the reaction of, like, I, this is a lot, but I I like this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, that was immediate for you from the first time watching it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think it was that immediate for me. It was, I mean, if we're keeping think, to the show, it, it was definitely a slow I burn. think I was at a place in my life that I was much more open to that. Okay. You know, and maybe, and I hate saying fucking things like that, dude, because it just shows that I'm like getting old, you know? You just don't like cliche. I don't. No, I don't like cliche at all. But like, but here's the thing I'm not going to, I can't, I can barely make it through an episode of Legion these days. It's too dense. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, you know? I mean, I can't even tell you like what the fuck is going on on that show. That show, like, you understand. I gave like up five percent. I gave up like the last season. Like I it's just, too much. Yeah, I just it was too much. And I mean, I wasn't giving it a fair shake. You know, like I was probably like w- looking at my phone. And, it's so fucking and nice, all that dude. stuff. You know, but that dude is kind of like he's killing it right now. Noah, Noah Holly. There you go. Yeah. Was there anything else that we were gonna touch? You want to talk about Kima? Oh, okay, so let's. I, I okay before we end. You had some good points on Kima last. Gotcha. Time. So. There is kind of this idea that, like, this show, it was hard to 
in terms of ratings, it was hard to kind of sell the show to people. Like it was hard to get people to watch it. And the, part of that is because like it was deemed a black show, right? And then like only black people would watch it, or like it only has black faces in it. Therefore, right. it was like seen as other. And I mean, I, you and I kind of came to the conclusion that there's no such thing as like a black show and it's kind of like an antiquated racist term right to just kind of say like you don't want to watch some black people on screen Mm -hmm. straight up and that idea i i was telling you about how like in the book kima and kima who plays a black lesbian cop and david simon kind of go at kind of go at it when they're arguing um, right because david simon is so committed to the idea of like truth and like having to depray having to or having to portray truth and like how it should be portrayed and like he's he's a journalist so obviously he cares about all those things right right um and he kind of tells her like hey like these systems that we're portraying like they this is in the book right yeah this is in the book we talk a lot about this in the book exactly so it was just basically like yeah this is kind of like a fucked up system and we're just showing it and it's never going to get any better right and I still think that that's kind of a fucked up thing to say because to him, his idea is that like, I don't know. This is this is what I came up with last time. This kind of touches on some similar points we were talking about. Yeah. Well, too. the idea is basically like, I feel like him saying that is short sighted because at the end of the day, it says like, change is impossible. Yeah, because it's a, it, it it implies that change is impossible and you're kind of immobile. And I, I, I always kind of bothers me because mm-hmm. I I think change is good for the most part. So the idea that like because if change is unobtainable, what the fuck are we fighting? Exactly, for? and yeah. and if like a a very very smart like white person tells you a black person who has just you know changed her situation and is now an artist mm-hmm. tells you that things are unchangeable, then he's right. denying your existence. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a f- <sighs> it's the idea of like he gets it and he gets it as like a, a nihilist and like. But at the same time, like, there are these kind of inconsistencies, these kind of people who go through the cracks of, like, the system. Sure. And who go against it and say, fuck it, and just kind of do what they what, what they can. Right. And I think that's that's where I'm at with things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I generally do think that people have or there is the capacity to change. And not necessarily in like a grand way and maybe it's in in like the small but i do think that incremental exactly change happens in the micro change happens in like people individuals exactly and that's one of the things i touched on in my last podcast or in the podcast about when they see us is like if nothing else what these children suffered Mm -hmm. is now being told as a cautionary tale that it should never happen again. And part of like historically what people of color or like disenfranchised groups used was the truth, like portraying the truth and how if nothing else, people would come to understand that they hate us and that works. That helps. Like it is a rough and a hard thing. And I think and maybe this Simon would disagree with this, but I think that this show gives people perspective and it helps you kind of understand where other people come from. Right. And it might make these barriers of like, quote unquote, change more pliable, more movable, more like there's more give instead of it just being like these truths of things will never change. Right. That's kind of what I have to say about Simon's comments to Kima. Great. Thank you. That was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I'm serious. It was. So what would you rate the first episode of The Wire? Five broken TVs. Well, did I break the scale? How many you did. is it? No, that's okay. that is the scale. That's yeah. the max. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. I love this show. Um, what's your pitch to people who haven't seen it? Make it sexy. <laughs> See, that's the thing we've been talking, and it presents such an unsexy way of things. You know, I I I've been thinking about that a lot. Is because like. Even the sex scenes, the very few amount of them that are in the show, they're very unsexy, you know? Mm -hmm. They're sort of asexual, you know? Like, they're just kind of there to... But it's not to, like, portray, you know, the pleasure of sex more, but it's just kind of, you know, the the idea, the reality of it, you know? Like... Poots having phone sex and Carver and, and Herker listening to him laughing, yeah. you know, basically the whole time. And I think that's a, a great way. I don't know. I mean, to pitch it, I would say that the show needs to be taught in college, you know, courses, you know. Um, it should be assigned as far as that goes. But yeah. I don't think that's a very sexy pitch in that sense. Um, so is this a show... That you can watch every day. I've been watching it every day. No, but I mean recently, but like yeah, in general, is this a show you can watch every day? Is it that kind of like show for you? You mean do I feel weird when I have it on and my daughter's playing in the corner? Yeah, well, I mean it's, it's <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Welcome to class. Strap yeah, in. exactly. Um. I don't know. I mean, what is your definition of every day? Because that just makes me think of some, like, I fall asleep to binging The Office bullshit, mm. and I'm not about that life. Why are you so against it, though? The Office? Like, that idea. I mean, I'm not against it. It's just not for me, personally, mm. you know? I mean, I, I am against it in the sense that I don't want to do... I'll, I'll never do that, you know? Why, though? It just doesn't do anything for me. Like, I'm not getting anything out of it, you know? Mm. in that sense is it and i don't but know I, but is, i the way that is, i framed it last time is i think that it, it's this is kind of the antithesis of the office people watch the office because it's a comfort thing yeah. you know and we've talked about comfort the last time you know it's funny though because you were on the you're in the other seat last time what's that you were very much in the comfort scene so last it's time. true about bless this mess season two coming soon fucking garbage ass <laughs> Um, this, as I mentioned before, this, this show is comfortable to me for some reason, Mm. you know? Um, I mentioned I'm, I'm very much not going back and binging, you know, shows that I've already seen. I'm not a rewatcher, but this, I actually am like stoked to rewatch. I'm Mm. like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. One of the things we didn't talk about. Why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. One of the things we didn't talk about this time around, a couple of things we didn't talk about this time around, but yeah. Definitely, like, uh, we didn't talk about the fans and how they're kind of rabid and, like, they are kind of like you. Like, it's are they very like much Rick and Morty fans? A, no. Kind of. <laughs> but it's very much like a... I don't think it's as bad. Then but, I'm out. No, just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, in that, like, if you like this show, you yeah. are kind of a better person. Right, right. We talked about that. It's like a David Foster Wallace thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Do you, you agree with that assessment? Are you a better yeah, person because no. you watch this show? Oh no, I don't know. Agree. I agree. There are fans like that exist. I don't know if if we got them, boys. But I've definitely 
been accused of that for sure you know Uh, how do you come to terms with that i think i'm still trying you know i guess i guess i've just reached a certain stage in my life where i i don't necessarily like care you know Mm. like it's not as much of a value judgment like you like whatever the fuck you like and i like what i like and if we like the same thing we can talk about it that's cool but i mean you know i don't people i respect love the office you know like and that's fine by me you know i don't it's just not something i'm going to engage with. there's a long way of saying you don't respect me i do respect you what are you talking about (laughs) i respect you i do love you do you yeah yeah i mean that's yeah to be honest with you i haven't watched it like i've never i tried a few times but i didn't you know yeah but then it's like I feel like that. I'm punk- just gonna sound like an asshole. What I'm gonna say? Oh, but. it's far too late for that. Okay, good, yeah. good. <laughs> for a couple hours in, glad we got over that. No, I'm just gonna say, you know, people are like, oh, if, maybe it's like the same thing like the, the Wire. Oh, if you just stick with it, you know. Nah, we, it's but it's like it's. They say like, oh, by the time you get to a certain point in the season, I'm just like, but why am I gonna do that? Like, I'm mm. pro- I have other stuff I could probably be doing. Do you? <laughs> Like, I don't have the motivation to gotcha. get to that point. You Do know? you feel like that attitude, that, like, punk attitude you described The Wire as, is that kind of your attitude for picking shows or liking shows? It, and I also, think it was. I don't know if anything. it is anymore, though. Okay. That's the thing. Like, because I could see somebody making an argument like that for Legion, you know? But is that... But I'm not... I can't make that argument for Legion anymore. I'm just like, fuck, Legion. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Okay, and this is... Like, I'm sure there's cool shit happening. Gotcha. You know? This is, like... Uh, I don't interview. mean to pick on this Legion. This is kind of, but... like, personal interview, but... Sure. Is that kind of how you... That, did you get that from, like, being a kid, being, like, kind of that punk attitude? Because I feel like... It came from certain listening to music. Okay. Because I feel... I, it's the same way. I feel yeah. like when I got into like hip hop and I was like a hip hop head. Yeah. It was kind of this kind of like a purist idea of what hip hop should be. For sure. Yeah. Which I now reject as an yeah. adult. Um and I, I was kinda like the same way you are except to me the wire. I mean the office was like good T V but I took like a class and this is this is probably be cut, but I took right. a class in, in college about uh like american studies and like how film factors into that cool and the teacher was just talking about how like there are some shows there are some shows that are like you know they're like gen like good good or whatever right he, yeah we should we watch like taxi driver and like hill street mm-hmm. blues and like right. something elsewhere like shit like that right yeah and it was this idea of like there is kind of he would describe a lot of things as, as dreck and like there's kind of like the good stuff Mm-hmm. And I do think that there is good stuff, but I also think that not everything has to be as good anymore. I agree. And it's probably because, like, my hip-hop head attitude is, like, who cares, dude? Yeah. That's why I get down with Bless This Mess. So, Season oh, two that's, coming that's soon. This is what I was going to say. This is what the people want to know. Yeah. Explain how you can like that fucking show if you like this show. Well, I think I went into it uh, the last episode pretty extensively, but yeah. and I recommend that you go back and listen to that episode. I can assure you that no one heard that, and they were just like, "How could you like this show?" <laughs> um, but uh, I think it, it, I think it examines some really astute dynamics about marriage. Okay. Um, and you I'm get at it, a point. You're married, dude. I'm married. I have a kid. <laughs> um, yeah. 
but uh so i think in that sense you know and i think there were some interesting comedic performances and i thought the cast dynamics were were good too Hmm. interesting but again i know that i'm at a stage in my life where it's 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 a coincidence or not a coincidence it's just a factor of circumstances that i'm thinking about those things and those shows are on so it's evolved from like this is the good stuff to whatever the fuck i like Mm, break that down for me a little bit more like you can watch bless this mess because you're just like eh, i like it i don't care i but it is kind of a punk thing though too at the same time because it's like everybody fucking hates that show you uh-huh. know and i'm like no nah, so that's the thing like, i'm I, gonna be all so, about it so it is still the contrarian thing in a sense i didn't want to i didn't want to accuse you of being contrarian because like we're we're just still gonna know each a other right contrarian. what's that we're still getting to know each other a little bit. So I don't want to be like, oh, like he's you're a contrarian. Because I yeah. think that an elitist contrarian. Don't nah, forget. I don't think no, you're I'm elitist. Just um, <laughs> you could though. But I feel like that's kind of. I mean, I've been accused of that before. Yeah, and I have been too, but I reject it. Sure. Because I, I don't know. I feel like, and I, I think that people do that a lot with food too. And this is, oh yeah, maybe a conversation because it's just like, oh, we do that with food. We do do that with food, and I feel bad because i can still get down with like the shitty stuff i just won't like it as much same but i think that that what we're talking about is kind of like the complexity of people or like the duality or like you can exist as someone who likes bad things and good things the high and the low exactly and i think that that's why i reject that idea of like oh you're pretentious elitist whatever but i mean i feel like i'm like I said, again, I don't mean to keep bringing Legion to this, but like, I feel like as I go on, like I'm becoming less so, you know, because it's like, I'm trying to watch Legion, but see, that's what's funny to me. Cause I stopped. I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm, I'm getting tired. I think I'm just like, I just don't have it in me. You know, what's funny to me is that you're like, I, and Legion's not, it's not about Legion. It's more of the idea of Legion. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a symbol for sort of dense television. It's, it's not even that. It's more the idea of like, I but even don't like say, things because people like it. And yeah. I do like things because people don't like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm nothing. I think Legion's a great show. Like, yeah. I'm, I think it's doing amazing Objectively. things. Yeah. But I just. I just don't have it in me gotcha. these days, you know? Okay. But even you're saying, and for somebody, you, you, even you're saying it's pretty, it's pretty out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, but that's, I'm still in the age where like, that's the kind of shit I want to watch. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But you're saying 5% of it. Nah, I'm just joking. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe 10, 15. I feel like when I watched that show and I've never rewatched it. Did you do a pilot boys on it? No, oh, okay. it was out already. Well, I'm down to me and Karen are huge fans of that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd um, be good. I, I but yeah, when I watch it, I feel like I only understand like 50 percent. I'm just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And then we'll go watch like in breakdown dis- videos. I feel like that's kind of like say that again a routine that we do now. We just watch like breakdown videos of shit. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they break it. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to be anti like spoilers and things like that. Sure. But, like, now I'm really, and maybe it's because of this book recently, but, like, now I'm into, like, kind of reading different things about stuff. Well, it informs a perspective. You don't necessarily need to agree with it. You know yeah, but I, I felt like I was anti because I, yeah. 
I didn't want to have like an influenced opinion about yeah. things. But now I'm just like, I, I'm open to it. I'd, well, I'll we talked about Lynch before, right? I mean, like with Mulholland Drive, like I remember having to go and read some shit online. I just watched the YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even know if there, I think, I don't know if there was the YouTube video when I looked gotcha. it up, but. Um, it was in Stone Ages. Yeah. But I had to read some synopsis of it or something gotcha. like that. Yeah. Know? When I was doing like a book a day. When I was reading a book a day, yeah, I read a bunch of fucking like cliff notes because I'm like, there's too many characters. I'm not keeping up with all this shit. Yeah, and I feel like there kind of should be a cliff notes version. So you're recommending of the wire. for yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this book is a good right, or or you think even more? Mm. See, okay. I feel wait. like if you don't have enough in an interest, you probably won't read it. Sure. And here's the thing, and maybe this is because it's it's the second watch, or it might even be the third now. For this, uh, for wire, I feel like I'm understanding it more. Okay, like I feel like I'm not missing anything. Yeah, you know. Whereas before, I feel like I was, you know, gotcha. Maybe understanding like seventy five percent of it yeah, or something. Sense. There were still parts that were, gotcha. you know, still missing and all that. Yeah. So, all that uh, to say that my score for the show, the sorry, first episode, roundabout way. So I could. Yeah, I would. I would give it a four. Okay. And uh, I'm okay with that because I love the show. It's one of the best that's ever done it. But as a first episode, I don't know. Like, it's a good first episode and it, it does everything that it needs to do. It presents the world. It kind of like develops all the characters and mm-hmm. gets you interested enough to want to continue the show. But more than anything, and I think that's the bigger point, is that it gets you interested in Baltimore and like kind of why you should care about its politics yeah. or, or any urban social city economic for that matter. It's you know? Understanding. The ecosystem of Baltimore, for sure. Whether it's black, white, Latino, whatever, right? And yeah, it's a great first episode. It's a better series than everything else. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. And that's about it. Thank you for coming or recording this again with me. Sorry for the audio difficulties. All right, man. All right, dude. I'll see you for Tremaine. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I'll see you for Tremaine. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. All right, for sure. All right, peace. Peace.